I know you're a baseball fan, but I know that sometimes you waffle between teams. So I'm asking you right now, make your call this year. Name the two teams that are going to the World Series, and the listeners will hold you to it come October. Perfect. I think the Yankees are going from the AL. Uh, and if I had to pick somebody from the NL, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to say the Dodgers get back there one more time. Well, you're wrong, Jim. Hi, I'm Jerry Howard, the CEO of NAHB. Welcome to Housing Development. And I'm Jim Tobin, Chief Lobbyist for NAHB. You're wrong about the Dodgers. I'm going to go with my beloved New York Yankees, uh, and then I'm going with my hometown Washington Nationals, who I think are an even better team this year than they were last year. Well, I understand you've been traveling a little bit. Uh, what have you been up to? What are people telling you out in the field? I've been out to the West Coast, took a trip out to see our, our builders out in Oregon. I had a great, great time out there with those guys. And, and like you hear uh, in your travels across the country, same things uh, that are bothering them, bother whether it's left coast, right coast, uh, north or south, uh, housing affordability is strangling every one of our members and their ability to provide that entry-level home or even to that move-up buyer and, heck, even, even affordable rental, trying to find a way to, to crack the code of land use and land use restrictions NIMBYism, local governments uh, imposing uh, imposing rent restrictions on on, on members, especially inside Portland. Uh, but for us, housing affordability across the country is the mantra of NHB right now. Yeah, well, you were out there. I was up in Massachusetts, and I had the privilege of sitting down uh, first with Governor Baker, and then with Lieutenant Governor Polito, and several people in the in the state cabinet up there. They are so concerned about workforce development that they really want to work uh, with HBI and with NHB to try and get some training programs in. And for all our listeners nationwide, let me tell you that NAHB is very, very engaged in workforce development. And our sister organization, HBI, the Home Builders Institute, is prepared to come out there and help you all any way they can, just as NAHB is, to try and help develop workforce for your local economies. Another thing that's interesting up in Massachusetts, Jim, and I never thought I'd say this about Massachusetts, they are actually concerned about housing affordability and Governor Baker has introduced a uh, Housing Choice Act. Yeah, I mean, and we, we're starting to see that. You, you mentioned you mentioned Massachusetts, my home state of Connecticut. We lovingly refer to Massachusetts as Connecticut's hat. Uh, so it's very nice that you were up there visiting with those folks. Uh, but across the country, I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, you know, just south of us here in D.C., in Richmond, uh, we got word that our, our, our great association down there, they were working on housing affordability as well. And actually had the governor sign a bill recently uh, that – there's Virginia law that allowed nonprofits or lo- local communities to waive building fees for affordable developments for nonprofits. Well, if you're a for-profit developer, you face the same affordability concerns. They got the governor to sign a bill uh, that now wa- that allows localities to waive those same fees for for-profit developers. So, you know, again, watch, listening to our state associations and our local affiliates work on this housing affordability at their levels of government. In Arkansas, NHB was instrumental in working with our Arkansas builders. Uh, what we found is a, uh, what we thought was essentially exclusionary zoning and some of the, the new building codes that they were trying to place on new developments, dealing with certain siding, certain architectural features that only serve to drive up the cost of housing. Uh, essentially, uh, almost as discriminatory policies as you could find. But NHB, through the use of its state and local issues fund, uh, with our state and local staff, we're down in Arkansas helping our members pass a law to make sure that if you're gonna if you're gonna work on, you can only put in provisions that dealt with safety and health and design features for that home 
rather than something that would seem extra- extraordinarily uh, d- uh, discriminatory uh, towards occupants of those potential homes. And we're seeing some of those discriminatory policies pop up in Georgia or Oklahoma. So it, we're facing a whole lot of fronts here on the housing affordability issue. What are your team uh, and, and you doing on this front? Well, first and foremost, uh, we just had we had Chairman Ugaldi up on the Hill yesterday. Uh, today is, uh, is is Wednesday. Yesterday, Greg testified in the first of two uh, two back to back GSE hearings. Finally, GSE reform the the, the last great housing uh, sorry the last great financial issue that was left over from the from the Great Recession is starting to get uh, some traction again. We we've seen. Uh, we've seen Congress take take a run at it. Greg testified before the Senate Banking Committee on GSA reform. He got some great questions, AD&C financing specifically for builders, appraisal issues that we're facing, and how do we get the housing finance system out of conservatorship and onto solid footing? More competition, lower rates, ensuring a government backstop for the 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Um, and then we saw the, the President of the United States just today also announced that his administration is going to start focusing on, on GSE reform, something for the first time in the Two and two plus years that we've seen where they they're going to take a leadership role as well in working with Congress to get that enduring reform that we've we at NHB have been the leader on for ten years saying we need to move in that direction. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting developments. Economist Rob Dietz was, was sort of a voice in the wilderness saying that there's going to be problems with housing in, in the in the in, in the uh, recovery cycle. And that those problems were going to be caused by a supply shortage, and it was going to be as severe or more serious than the problems that led into the recession. Now, at the time, people thought Rob was crazy. Well, and, and to be fair, he is a half a bubble off. But in this case, he was right. Yeah, right. Rob really was the canary in the coal mine. I know in, in having the ability to take him up to Capitol Hill uh, or, or use his research on Capitol Hill, you know, those are you know, a couple of years ago. Everybody thought everything was going great guns, and what we were doing was proven right, that the housing economy really is that bellwether. We can lead you in, and we can lead you out, but you better pay attention to us. The White House knows the power of this, of this industry, and, and that's why it's so important for us to act together and speak with one voice on the housing affordability crisis. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in uh, our, our guest, and we'll go from there. We're really fortunate today, Jim, that uh, on our second broadcast, we already have a really interesting uh, guest to join us. Jessica Ditto, who is the Deputy Communications Director at the White House. Jessica served on the President's campaign and transitions teams. She's a native of Kentucky, and before moving to Kentucky, or moving here from Kentucky, uh, she served as Communications Director for Governor Matt Bevin down there in the state. Jessica, thanks for joining us on Housing Developments. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be your second guest. Well, we're we're really uh, we're really proud of, to have you, and we're looking forward to the conversation. If we could, I think we should start with what's right now at the top of the White House's agenda. Let's start talking about trade. Uh, we know that this is a big issue for the administration, and uh, it's been such from the beginning. And it looks like things are starting to heat up with the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, or the USMCA. Uh, give us a, a quick look at what's going to happen over the next weeks and months. Uh, and tell us what you think the outcome is going to be. Well, we, uh, you're absolutely right. Trade is one of the core areas of the president's economic agenda. And in June of 2016, on the campaign trail, the president laid out in a very detailed speech about bringing jobs back to America and what he was going to do to help communities that had been devastated by disastrous trade agreements across um, many past administrations. And in that speech, he outlined six to seven 
steps that he was going to take, and he's followed through on all of these actions, starting with renegotiating NAFTA and coming up with a better deal for Americans and updating that agreement. And his team, uh, led by Ambassador Lighthizer and uh, Jared Kushner here at the White House, they worked on an agreement, the USMCA deal, and at record pace, getting an agreement with Mexico and bringing Canada on board, and then signing it last fall. It is this new deal will be the most modern, up-to-date, and balanced trade agreement in the history of our country with the most advanced protections for workers ever developed, as the president stated when we signed this agreement. And now we're working with Congress, educating members on the details, making sure they understand all of the provisions in each of the various chapters so that they feel comfortable when the implementing legislation is moved up to the Hill, submitted by USTR, our trade team, that they are ready to move it to the floor, start having the hearing so that we can get this passed into law uh, by late summer. So that's the current path. Well, that sounds that sounds terrific. Increasing American jobs means increasing the demands for homes. Uh, that's certainly exactly. music to, to our members' ears. Jim, isn't it right? Uh, am I right that you and your team are really trying to help the White House in this? Aren't we working this up on the Hill? Yeah, that's right, Jerry. We uh, NHB is 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 just as you know. We, we have uh, we're strong supporters of the USMCA and our ability to. We want tr- fair trade. I mean, billions of dollars of products come across the border uh, from Mexico and Canada that go into the homes that we that our members build. So for us, seeing this deal get through Congress uh, in a timely manner and uh, and and clearing the decks for. Uh, for that trade agreement is really important to us as well. We greatly appreciate your support and your endorsement and the 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 coalition support that we've seen across industries and, and from from your um, team as well has been uh, really pivotal in helping Congress take this up and and um, begin to assess where um, they have questions and where they feel strongly that this is truly a better deal for America's workers. And we know from the chorus of um, job creators and um, those who are uh, workers are saying this is this is absolutely a deal that we must support. It is great for America, work, American workers and businesses. And so we're really hopeful that Congress will move it move it through quickly and smoothly, and that there will be um, a a great agreement in place by late summer. That's great. I like, I like that timeline, uh, Jessica. One one you know pivoting off of USMCA. One one of the issues. As I said, you know, with our support of USMCA, trade is really important to our members. Uh, but, but two in particular that I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on. Uh, one is the Canadian Softwood Lumber Agreement, uh, and then also uh, in, in where those uh, those stand that negotiation stands now. But and then also uh, we see a lot of a lot of word in the press about the negotiations with the Chinese government and the Chinese tariffs. Uh, any any thoughts or any uh, any the any way you can give us our our members an update on on where those those two negotiations stand. Um, the uh, for with regards to the uh, softwood lumber, I know that in our latest update to the president's trade agenda, there have been numerous consultations between the U.S. and Canada. They held consultations in January of. 2018. At Canada's request, the uh, WTO established a panel in April of 2018, and those proceedings are ongoing, so I don't have a a major update on that front, Um, but we're certainly working to uh, address that issue in in earnest. And then on the uh, the 
negotiations with China. Uh, again, the president deserves full credit for getting to a, a, a place where we are actually digging into the details and working on text of a new agreement with China. The, after years and years of neglect of allowing the Chinese to take advantage of our um, our intellectual property, of our agriculture community, of every uh, major sector uh, they've taken over and then attempted to um, grow their economy on the backs of American workers. And the president has uh, made it abundantly clear that that's going to stop. And so with the way that we have been in negotiations with China, the things that really ramped up uh, last fall, and as you all have seen, the, we our teams have been meeting with the Chinese on a very frequent basis, and that pace has really picked up this in the last few weeks. So today, our team uh, headed to Beijing, led by Ambassador Leiser and Secretary Mnuchin, and they will be having um, high-level talks about the details of the negotiations, and there's there's real progress being made. Um, however, the president has made it abundantly clear that in the course of these negotiations that he is not going to accept a bad deal. He will walk away from the table, and he's he's determined that we can get to a great deal with China. So we talked a little bit then about the price of building materials, which is always an issue for our members. Uh, right now, as I travel around the country, Jessica, and I was in Massachusetts last week and in Texas earlier this week, uh, builders all around the country are saying that the number one issue is the lack of skilled labor in our sector. I know that the president places a huge emphasis on workforce development. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the administrators? administration's latest efforts are in creating more skilled labor jobs. Absolutely. This is something that is of key importance to this White House, especially for our economic agenda. We, For the first time, we have more workers coming off the sidelines, more workers uh, seeking work, and more job openings than workers available. So there is a skilled labor gap, and we have been working very closely with the Department of Labor, Department of Education, with Congress, in, in order to instill opportunities for workforce development. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was played a key role in that, as well as the passage of the um, Perkins CTE uh, reauthorization that had been lingering and languishing out there for about 12 years, which injected um, billions into the importance of uh, technical training at uh, vocational schools to help states really prepare future workers. Additionally, last summer, the president signed uh, an executive order establishing the National Council for the American worker, which is an, a government-wide council that is focused on helping to create those training opportunities, bring transparency to the job market and where opportunities uh, exist and what um, those skill sets are required. And to also break down the stigma that a four-year education is the only pathway to a prosperous career. So we put a lot of emphasis on STEM, uh, high-tech manufacturing, and building and trade and making sure that the the uh, the emphasis on helping to promote 
work in all areas that especially those that are going to help our uh, construction sector and our skilled labor um, have, have seen great results. And one of the biggest champions of this is uh, Ivanka Trump, the advisor to the president. She has um, really spearheaded this effort at the White House and is uh, helped establish the pledge to the American worker. Uh, Jessica, thank you. That's that's great. I know, as, as Jerry said, we travel uh, all over the country, and it, that's all we hear about is is the need for workers uh, that would reduce the cost of affordability for a home. And so, when you take you know worker shortages and, and trying to bring more people into the trades, uh, whether it's young people, whether it's veterans, whether it's the 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 uh, the incarcerated population, I know that you all were instrumental in passing the First Step Act. Something that we see a lot of opportunity with from some of our workforce development efforts in the in the, in the incarcerated community and at risk youth, um, you know, workforce development. We talk trade and, and the, the the importance of of, of building components uh, being coming into this country uh, for as uh, as cheaply as possible. Um, they all revolve around one issue for us, and that's and that's housing affordability. Uh, as we travel around the country and talk to our members. Uh, housing affordability seems to be at a tipping point, a, a real crisis where land development costs, the financing of that land, the ability for, for people to afford uh, a home are, 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 it's getting, it's getting harder and harder for, for people uh, of, of all economic factors in the country to, to be able to afford a home or, or find an affordable rental apartment. Uh, is this something that's on the, on the administration's radar? And if so, uh, what can we do at the federal level to make sure that we can, that more and more people can afford the American dream. Absolutely, and you're touching on something that's actually breaking news. The president uh, today is signing the a presidential memorandum initiating overdue reform of the housing finance system. And so, in the decades since the financial crisis, there has been no comprehensive reform of the housing finance system, despite the need for it, leaving taxpayers exposed. And so we are um, implementing this uh, memorandum to help make sure that Americans uh, can find their path to the American dream and the dream of a great job and a safe home and a better life for their children. And we're lifting up these forgotten communities and trying to create exciting new opportunities to help every American find that path. And so that presidential memorandum was just signed today. Uh, These reforms will help more Americans fulfill their goal of buying a home. Wow, Jessica, that's really, really exciting. Um, We obviously are going to tout that uh, all, all over uh, in addition to this podcast, we're going to let our members know uh, that the administration is hearing uh, the concerns that are being expressed out there uh, across the country and and starting to take action. So thank you so much for that. And we look forward uh, as an organization to helping you. Well, we are grateful for your support. And I was remiss not to mention that you, you signed the Pledge to the American Worker. You have been engaged with the White House in this effort to help our workers. And so we thank you for that support and thank you for the support of USMCA. It, too, will be a key to creating new opportunities for jobs in uh, communities all across the U.S. So we thank you for that. I want to thank you, Jessica, for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, for your service to the country. I know that uh, White House staffers take a lot of abuse from a lot of different corners, but we just want you to know how appreciative we are of what you and your colleagues do uh, for the country and for the housing industry. We're, we're very grateful. Let me ask you one more quick question. Did you get to meet the Capitals? 
I was actually in a, a meeting uh, talking with our communicators about trade when they were uh, had the trophy in the the Oval Office. So unfortunately, I missed it, but oh, <laughs> a lot of my colleagues did get to see the team and the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Jim's family and my family are big Caps fans. In fact, Jim's young son James is a uh, a future Capital for sure. He's a great little hockey player. Well, Jessica, thanks for being with us. We we really appreciate it. And we look forward to working with you as we move forward to uh, make sure that uh, the American dream is available for, for, all, uh, for all Americans at an affordable uh, price. So thanks, uh, and we hope to see you soon. Thanks, Jessica. Well, thank you for having me on your program, and good luck. And uh, we look forward to hearing uh, your show in the future. You got it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks very much.